Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm very happy to have you tuning in. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, those are the two top sites that we've been heard on. Or if you're tuning in to our new and improved YouTube channel, which often features some extra notes and ways to visualize the concepts that we're sharing, please keep spreading the good word and leave us a review. That means so much because that's really the way that we move up in our rankings and our show just gets exposed to that many more people. All right, so without further ado, what are we going to be touching on today? Today's episode is how to pay yourself first. It's one of the oldest mantras in financial planning, and it sounds so simple, yet it's something that's so difficult for many of us to do. So we're going to go over why is it so important to save? When we do want to save, how do we actually budget? What are some different you know, tricks or strategies to help improve the budget? And then what effect will that have on our overall financial plan? Okay, so as you've heard me say so often, the whole point of the show is to achieve wealth in its original meaning, which is a state of well-being. Where we can get to that stress-free, enjoyable lifestyle is often dictated by how much cash we have on hand. Money is not going to buy happiness, but it certainly can make a lot of things easier and take away a lot of those different stressors. So let's get into talking about you know, how savings fits in the plan. If you remember from our pilot episode, I said that there's five steps to a sound financial plan. The first one was protection first. The second one was going to be budgeting and building liquidity. The third one was managing your debt. And the fourth one, building foundational wealth. And then lastly, how to maximize growth. When we start to go into a different sort of order or we put the cart before the horse, that's where a plan can have gaps and it can leave us susceptible uh, to different mistakes or irrational thinking when life will throw us a curveball, as it inevitably does. So let's focus on step two of how to create a sound budget and a proper savings plan. First off, let me share some statistics because you might be saying, do we even need this conversation? Yes, we definitely do. So no matter what stage of the game you're at, if you're just getting started or you're saying, I got no money, I don't even know how to budget, or if you feel like you're filthy rich, this is an episode that everyone needs to hear because it can impact you. And also from a macroeconomic standpoint, this is what really affects America as a whole is our savings rate. All right. And when some people feel that they don't have enough to get by, there's inevitably going to have to be other people to pick up some of that slack. So the better off that we all do, the easier that it's going to be for all of us and the less downward pressure that will be put on all these different social programs that we debate about, you know, every four years or even inside of those election terms. So first off, why do we need the conversation? According to Go Banking Rates, which polls Americans every year on how much they have as far as cash on hand. Cash is going to be your savings, checking, and money market accounts. Okay, what are referred to as cash equivalents. According to Go Banking Rates, in 2019, 69% of Americans said they had less than $1,000 in the bank. Okay, that is an awfully eye-opening statistic. Uh, they've been doing these studies since 2014, and unfortunately, that percentage has gone up. In 2018, the same exact study said 58% of Americans had less than a grand in the bank. 
And now, like I said, last year, 2019, that reached almost 70%, okay? So that's pretty scary when we think about, well, if something happens, if the car goes or we need the plumber to fix something in the house or whatever it might be, what are we going to do, all right? So what do people do when they don't have adequate rainy day funds or emergency funds, as we often call them? What's the American way? We go put it on the credit card, all right? Swipe the plastic. We've all seen it happen. So many people have struggled with that. When we see that the average interest rate on a credit card usually hovers around 19 to 20%. And meanwhile, in our savings account, according to the FDIC, the Federal Depository Insurance Corporation, the average interest rate on a savings account is 0.09%. There's an enormous spread there. Okay, that's where a credit card company can become so profitable is by leveraging that arbitrage, okay, that spread in interest rates, where you say, okay, I'm working hard, I'll put money in the bank, I get 0.09%, and then they take those same dollars I've earned, and they lend them out at 19 or 20%. You're probably saying to yourself, that sounds pretty unfair. And if you're on the losing side of that equation, it certainly is. But you can be on the winning side if you're liquid. Okay, if you have cash on hand, you get to call the shots. And that's where you can take a step back, evaluate the situation, and think rationally. Okay, and make financial decisions and not emotional decisions. All right. So that's why we have to have this conversation today, is because frankly, people are not saving enough right now. Now, in some more uh, promising news, if we look at bank rates surveys, okay, many of you are familiar with bankrate.com. As of last year, 2019, they showed that the average American household had $8,863 in savings, okay? So certainly better than uh, this 70% stat that I gave you a moment ago. And within that grouping, just to share some trivia, for folks under the age of 34, the highest savers were married couples without children. Okay, on average, they had about $4,727 in the bank. In the 35 to 44 bracket, it actually switched where now it was married couples with children uh, who had on average $10,339 in the bank. And then once we got up to the 45 to 54 age category, it was again married couples with children uh, who on average had about $15,589 in savings. All right. So that was a little more uh, hopeful statistic from Bankrate than the previous one that showed us. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Americans that aren't ready for whatever life might throw them. Okay. And then when you might be saying, well, how did we end up there? How did we have it? Some people are saving okay, or at least it sounds that way. Others are not. Last stat I want to give right now is the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. In 2019, they conducted their financial literacy survey. And it showed that less than half of Americans said they have a budget and actually keep track of what they spend each year. All right. So less than half of America admits that they're not budgeting. And I think that's the cause and effect right there. If we don't have a budget, how can we have ample savings? It's kind of like if we don't have a workout routine or a diet, how can we have any sort of good health? You know, things don't really just happen by happenstance. Usually there's a plan to get where we're going to be or the failure to plan, which just leaves us wherever, you know, the random path will end up taking us. So how can we start budgeting? How do we actually pay ourselves first? 
I wrote an article for CNBC last year on this exact topic, and I coined a budget that was called the 10-10-80 plan or approach. And what that said is there's ultimately, when you boil it all down, three ways to deploy your money. One is to save it, the other is to donate it, and the third is to spend it. When we sit down and we think about all the things we could do with our money, everything under the face of the planet, that's really it. We either save it for our own benefit, we give it away all right, to friends, family, charity, the church, whatever it might be, or we spend it. And the average Joe, according to some of the dire statistics, obviously is more on the spending side, perhaps having a 0-0-100 approach, zero savings, zero donations, 100% out to expenses. What I wanted to do and what I promoted was really this 10-10-80 approach of once that paycheck comes in, immediately save 10%, okay, into a side fund, be it a new savings account, a brokerage account, something that we can actually segregate from your financial plan, okay? And then 10%, if so inclined, can go towards donations or gifts or charity, all right? And then 80% left over towards your spending, uh, whether it be necessary expenses or just for your enjoyment. If we can make that small adjustment, it will kind of enable you to, to have such an easier way of financial planning and an easier lifestyle to manage. All right, so that was 10, 10, 80. And on the donation side, of course, everyone has their own take on that. That was just taking kind of the old school tithing approach. Okay, tithe is a word that was in the Old Testament. Um, and for, in the Old English verbiage, it means to give one-tenth. Okay, so that's kind of a, a nice rule of thumb for those who feel so inclined. All right. And then as time goes on and, and your situation improves, you could graduate to maybe a 15, 15, 70 approach. Save 15%, donate 15%, and then spend 70%. All right. I've done this with countless clients of mine and other people that I've counseled or spoken at at different seminars. And when we sit down for a checkup or I meet with them a year or two years later, they've adopted that approach and they tell me they don't even really notice much of a change as far as it goes with their lifestyle or what they're doing on a daily basis. So that goes to show you when you pay yourself first, it's a lot easier because you know, all right, I already hit my mark and now I can go do what I want with my money thereafter. It's kind of like we woke up in the morning, we went to the gym and we put in the work and then the rest of the day is yours to enjoy however you, you know, desire. So think about that approach. Another way, this one wasn't mine, but I remember hearing on the radio uh, was from Nelly. Uh, some of you guys might remember him. He was a rapper back in the day, um, probably not known as well right now. But when asked what he does with all the money he was making in his heyday, he said, I have a $3 plan. And what he meant by that is for every $3 he earns, one he would save, one he would invest, and the third he would spend. It's very simple. I make three bucks, one is for my savings, one is invested for down the road, and then the other I'm gonna blow it on whatever uh, you know, mansion, car, or whatever else he was into at that point in time. So come up with a game plan and have fun with it. And you know, really hold yourself accountable to it. One of the easiest ways to do that again is by having a financial advisor. It could certainly be your spouse, it could be you know, a friend or a neighbor, whoever you're comfortable sharing finances with. But if you have a financial advisor, this is something I do regularly with every single client. Okay? We sit down, we have our annual physical or checkup, and we see, okay, what are your savings habits? 
How are those accounts moving up or down? Uh, or are they just holding steady? And then that's kind of a, uh, you know, a gut check to say, all right, we set up a 10, 10, 80 or whatever plan it may have been. Are you doing it? And if you're not, let's kind of get back on the wagon here and figure out, you know, where are we kind of going off? <clears throat> and then for your kids, excuse me there, one of the plans I often recommend, I get asked a lot by, the, by my clients about this, and a game I like to play is what's called a three-jar game. And what you could do is in your kid's bedroom, just set up three jars. One is save, one is donate, and one is spend. And doesn't matter what money they're making. Maybe they make $10 a week doing chores around the house. Maybe they just got their first summer job, whatever it might be. And then tell them, okay, you made that little bit of money. Put a dollar or 10% into you know, your savings jar. Put another dollar or 10% into your uh, donation dar jar. And then put the other $8 or 80% into the spending jar. And now they have their own little makeshift budget that they're saving for the future for whatever it brings. They're donating so they can instill that good habit and have that reward of giving money to a good cause. And then they have those other $8 that they'll be able to spend, you know, towards a new video game or toy or whatever it might be. All right. That's a great way, a very easy way to get people at a very young stage thinking about money, the value of a dollar, and how to actually create a strategy for those dollars. All right. Lastly, one of the things I often talk about, and you probably have heard me say this in the past, another good rule of thumb is to save 20% of your gross income. All right. So we had the 10, 10, 80. Nelly had the $3 game plan. And then another simple one is just to save 20% of your gross income. And people say, where does it go? I tell them it doesn't matter. We'll cross that bridge down the road. But what's so important is that habit, okay? It's kind of like going back to the, the healthy and wealthy comparison. If you have somebody that says, I go to the gym five, six days a week, and I just do the best that I can, but I don't really have a trainer or a plan. I just do cardio, then I lift, and then I do jumping jacks. I would take that person every day over the week versus the person that has studied, you know, ad nauseum, different, you know, exercises and methods of dieting, yet they go to the gym once a week, okay? That's kind of common sense there. So if you can save, if you have that habit, good rule of thumb, again, 20% of gross income, the rest of your whole financial plan will become very, very easy, okay? And now if you're say saying to yourself, you know what, I, I appreciate all these ideas and these concepts, but I swear to you, there's just no extra money, all right? It has to be zero, zero, 100 because I have to hit my bills and there is nothing else. What I'll tell you first is usually nine times out of 10, that's false. There often is always gonna be room to kind of tighten the belt, all right? And whether it be giving up Starbucks or uh, eating out you know, every weekend or whatever it might be, there's always a way to tighten the belt a little bit, okay, and improve the situation. But if you're saying, I disagree, then let me kind of share the hard truth with you. There are two ways to improve the budget. Number one is to make more money. And number two is to spend less. That's it. There's no other magic solution or, uh, you know, a secret sauce to it. All right. So if you're saying, well, how do I make more money? We are living in the gig economy, okay, where everybody and their brother can pick up a side hustle could be something that you start up on the internet as another business. Um, it could be something you do on the side, whether you're bartending, 
um, you know, waiting tables. It could be anything, okay? Consulting, taking just a second job, all right? I can't tell you how many medical residents I've met with, okay? So I do a lot in the medical space. All right, these are your young physicians. They're still in training, okay? They are doctors, but they're not out there as full-fledged attending filthy rich physicians, all right? They're on the early stage. And I sit down with them come tax time, and they talk to me about what their salary was of fifty or sixty thousand a year, and as just a normal W two medical resident. But then they had this side job where they were driving Uber three shifts a week or driving a Lyft three shifts a week. All right, these are young guys and gals that are working sixty to eighty hours a week, okay. And then on the side, they're picking up a shift to go drive around you and your friends, you know, out one night to the bar or to dinner. So. Think about that for a second. And I, this is true story that I've seen many times over. All right. We have somebody working with that, that load on a normal daily basis and then picking up a side job. All right. So think about it. You might be having a brain surgeon uh, driving you to the airport one day. And that's no exaggeration. That's a true story. So if they can do it, then why not us? And we could share that example with the thousands of other people out there that pick up multiple jobs. On the flip side, if you say there's there's no more hours in the day, I'm exhausted, I wanna see my family, my kids, etc., then again, we have to look at our expenses and we've gotta adjust our lifestyle accordingly. If we don't, the budget's not gonna be a reality and we're not gonna have that rainy day fund, that six months of expenses that I often recommend. And unfortunately, then we're kind of not in the driver's seat, we're reacting. We're using credit cards, we're making poor choices, we're tapping into our retirement plan early. And now as Warren Buffett always said, you know, it's not about how your investments behave, it's about how you behave with your investments. Now we don't have any control over those situations because we need money, okay? We don't ever wanna need money, we wanna use money uh, at our own discretion. And again, that all comes back to the budget. So when we get to the next step, which I'll just spend a moment on, kind of going off topic now into retirement, I think that there's a real correlation here because when I sit down and ask people, do you have a retirement plan at work? All right, and this is not empirical evidence, but this is just kind of my own observation with thousands of clients I've dealt with. I would say that about a fourth of them will say, yes, I do. A fourth will say, no, I, I don't have a plan through work or I opted out. And then about half of them will say, I don't know. And that just blows my mind. But what's going on nowadays is most retirement plans, most employers that have a retirement plan auto enroll their employees, which means the day that they start there, whether they know it or not, they're immediately having one, two or 3% of their income going into a 401k or a 403b plan, right? And the thing that's crazy is they don't know, meaning that they have no impact they're feeling to their lifestyle and many of them are already saving a healthy rate for retirement. So it goes to show you that when we make these little adjustments to a budget, that oftentimes, again, it doesn't have to throw your entire lifestyle out of whack, but it can have a tremendous impact in the long term on your savings and your investing habits. Okay. So just think about those things and uh, just kind of give you a, a, another hopeful statistic that I think we should all be proud of. According to the Economic Policy Institute, 35% of workers today have over $100,000 saved for retirement, all right? So I think long story short, we have a lot of people doing a great job that deserve a pat on the back, 
But unfortunately, we have a lot of our country today, just not savings, not saving. And we need to realize we got to make it simple and that it's something that we can take care of and um, quickly improve upon with simple habits. All right. So I hope this has been helpful. Please remember to pay yourself first. I promise 5, 10, 15 years down the road, you'll come back and thank me and say, hey, that wasn't that hard. And now all of a sudden you're living a much more stress-free and enjoyable lifestyle and checking off the different objectives that you had on your to-do list. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Kaderna podcast. Again, leave us a good review. Tell two of your friends what you listened to today and keep spreading this financial knowledge so we can all achieve wealth in its original meaning, a state of well-being. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Kaderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS, 300 Broad Acres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through PASS, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Nine Seven three two four 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 two zero. Financial representative, the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Passes an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance LLC are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA SIPC. California Insurance License Number OK04194. Content of the Caderna Podcast is copyrighted by Brian M. Caderna. All rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of, of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.